The following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled The Artisan's Plate. It is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. disgusting and carnal act. The gnashing of teeth against animal flesh, the gorging one's stomach, and the loosening of the belt buckle like some kind of filthy sitcom dad. Only by elevating the craft through the artistry of a true chef can we hope to escape our crude, base nature. Welcome. I'm Thomas Kincaid Jr., reviewer extraordinaire. You have the pleasure of experiencing the first episode of The Artisan's Plate, a podcast dedicated to the elevation of the ingredient. Today, I'm joined by Chef Desmond Dequat, a world-renowned restaurant entrepreneur who opened more than 90 pop-ups last year. Chef Dequat, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, we're also here with Ranch Coolman, uh, a Food Network personality, restaurant owner, and the host of NBC's The Ho Test. Chef Coolman, how are we today? Hey, how you doing, man? Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, Chef, I see you're wearing your signature top hat uh care to tell us about what you're wearing oh you know i kind of always had my thing going on and uh things like that i'm kind of wearing you know you can see my wolf earrings got my rockabilly rockabilly style mock chef's coat with multiple metal studs on the lapel let you know i'm a chef i'm also like you know not stuffy or arrogant or anything like that i got my jar jar binks board shorts on and i got my flip flops with the beer can opener on the bottom you know it's kind of like a like a vac- steampunk guy on vacation. I dig it. It's pretty wicked. Yeah. I got, you know, I'm kind of known for that. I got like a good distinct look. I got my Marge Simpson hair that I always wear. <laughs> Big, tall, blue, stuff like that. So, you know, that's just my thing, man. But, you know, I'm trying to, uh, you know, I'm trying to just, you know, have a good time. I'm so honored, man. You hate me out there. You know, don't leave me hanging on the fist bump. Well, there's certainly an audience for what you do anyway. Uh, you know, that's the tell, least I can say, man. It's been a wild ride. I'm just happy to be here. As you can see, I'm wearing a T-shirt from David Chang's uh, Lucky Peach magazine. Rest in peace. Um, I'm wearing bread bags instead of shoes around my feet. <laughs> um, I'm doing it ironically, but it's also a comment on society and wealth inequality. Dude, that's pretty trippy, man. Uh, Chef Dequat, do you care to uh, describe your outfit? Oh, well, I mean, it's not much. Most people see me wearing this often. Um, it's usually just my... I have, like, a fitted black... Uh, some call it a t-shirt. I say it's a blouse, but it's a black t-shirt. I have usually tucked in some black slacks. And, um, uh, you know, they're both, you know, Versace. Nice. I would say that your restaurants are the designer clothing of the food world, so oh, I would you. expect no less from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, as uh, you know, in-demand chefs, I know you guys are busy day in, day out. You're working in the kitchen, you're opening new restaurants, you're on TV. Uh, but myself, as a food critic, you know, I get to just kind of go around the world and enjoy the fruits of, of labors of chefs like yourselves. Uh, so this past weekend, I was in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, um, at a food truck festival. Uh, when I go to food trucks normally, I like to order off menu, you know, keep them on their toes, try to see what kind of ingredients they might not have back there and just fuck with them, you know? 
Man, but, it's, a, uh, it's a good time. Do you stop any of mine? Oh, no, no, no. I was, uh, I was trying to look for a new up-and-coming talent uh, at the food truck festival. Yeah. Um, so I just want to like outline the three best food trucks that I saw while I was there. Um, Fair enough. We saw a place called uh, Squall's Freegan Smorgasbord. Uh, the cooks were like these emaciated hippies, and the only thing on the menu was a single bean. Uh, when you ordered the <laughs> bean, well, you could only get one bean for every party of four people, and the cook would take out a gun blade and skillfully dice the bean into four equally sized pieces. Uh, I mean, these guys made every sushi chef in the world look like shit. This, this was fantastic work. Um, and my hat, my hat goes off to the owner, too. He was this quiet guy, just kind of standing there brooding, leaning against the food <laughs> truck. Uh, he looks sort of uh, sullen and mysterious the whole time. Uh, you know, uh, number two I, here, I think I, a, I had seen that place. I walked up to him and I said, hey, man, you're the best looking guy here. Did he say anything back? No, he just brooded at me, made me feel kind of stupid. You uh, know, but me, I just kind of, I'm a 24-7 party, so I just kind of went with it. You went up to him, and then like a little thought bubble appeared over his head with just a dot, dot, dot. Yeah, it was definitely that happened. And after you do it like five or six times, he like says something different, like, hmm, shrug. Yeah. Why don't you get out of here, bud, or something like that. And he was always kind of had a weapon by his side that he was slowly thumbing, almost in a sexual caress. <laughs> so number two food truck I saw that was great uh, is a French concept. It was called Uendis. Uh, these guys' ingredients are all locally foraged from a dumpster nearby. Uh, it's behind a Wendy's. Uh, they did a really great deconstruction of a Wendy's double stack. Uh, they pickled the burger buns. They liquefied the burger meat. They emulsified it into ice cream. Uh, this is just really cutting-edge stuff. You only see this stuff in Brooklyn. Um, I mean, I, mean, I did great... that a couple years ago, but yeah, sure. Oh, I mean, again, this is their first food truck. We're not going to say they could compete with the master, but... I like to see them take inspiration from the master and really, you know, elevate the <clears throat> ingredients. Right. Imitation is the best form of flattery, my friend. And I know that your uh, restaurant where you On did that was originality, I'm sure. I'm you sorry, were near a, a Wendy's in L.A. This is a Wendy's in Brooklyn. You know, this is like different ingredients. They're local. They're well. They're I've fresh. been of, I've been in Brooklyn for about you know ten years now, and I can oh, well, say a lot of things that come out of there now. Sort of people just ripping off what I was doing, you know, a few years prior. They think I'd probably forget about it by then, but... Well, nobody would deny your your massive footprint. You know, I was the first guy, I'm just going to say this, I was the first guy to put hot sauce on country fried steak, you know? That's wild to me, but you guys are on a whole nother level. Well, no one's going to... Everyone knows that uh, Ranch Coolman probably makes the best Salisbury steak in the country. You know, I like to kind of, you know, tease with that mushroom gravy. And I think like, man, maybe what if instead of using mushroom gravy, I put cheese on it. And instead of like a Salisbury steak, let's say it's more like a jalapeno hamburger. And then let's top that Salisbury steak off by putting it between two hamburger buns. I mean, ain't that wild? I I remember uh, on your Food Network show, I saw you... Reduce a gravy into a refried gravy and put that over the original gravy on your Salisbury steak. Listen, the thing with gravy is that it's got flour in it. You can turn that shit to bread and then you can bake that bread into a hamburger bun. And then in between that hamburger bun, you can put a jalapeno ground beef cooked hamburger. All right, well, uh, before we move on, I got to talk about 
the last food truck that I went to, um, this one was an ice cream truck that just had ice cream on the side of it. Uh, this no frills pop-up really elevated the dessert with simple presentations that led to surprising results. Uh, for example, they did a twist on ice cream where they served both orange and purple flavors. Uh, we, we've all seen ice cream in a bowl, right? Uh, this ice cream was called a push pop. It was like a popsicle, but with a stick on the bottom. And you push the ice cream up to your mouth so you can eat it better. Uh, the push pop was decorated with playful artwork of uh, Fred Flintstone, Wilma Flintstone, Dino the Dinosaur Flintstone, and the other Flintstone from the Flintstones, <laughs> uh, which was unexpected and really playful and delightful. Uh, I asked the chef for the name of the artist, but he just shrugged and ashed his cigar and pretended like there was someone else in the back of the truck he was oh, talking to. Oh, those are those are those the guys? Those are those guys who did that um, incredible sorbet arrangement that looked like SpongeBob SquarePants. Just I, crazy I saw stuff. That. Magnificent. <laughs> this is just a small taste of what's going on in Brooklyn right now. I think Do you know? I know. I totally have seen there. those guys. Those guys are musicians too, and they'll drive down the block playing the most kicking tunes you ever heard, man. Dude, it, it's like the most badass version of Farmer in the Della era. Well, we know Thomas does his Thomas does his music podcast as well, where he reviews music. Maybe he could save it for that. Sorry, folks. Sorry. Uh, maybe we should get back on track. Uh, Chef uh, Coolman, I hear that you're trying to elevate your cuisine. Um, speaking of all these fancy food trucks here. Oh, yeah. I mean, part of the reason of me being here is I kind of want to, you know, I lost my way a little bit. And I'll say that in a good way and a bad way where I've been, you know, on the public service. You know, I host the Ho Test on NBC 7 p.m. You know, I've kind of crossed over from a food store to a main network store. And of course, the concept of the Ho Test is that, you know, if a girl makes a Grinch smile at the beer face, then she failed the Ho Test. And it takes an hour. And if you fail it, you get a million dollars. I'm not sure why. <laughs> But I'm trying to get back to my food roots, and that's part of the reason I sought you out, Thomas Kincaid, and I wanted to be on this, uh, on your new food pot, uh, podcast simply because I've been going to France. I retook cooking school in France. I've been cooking lay hamburger. I've been cooking lay hot dog. I've been learning French, French words, not just the cuss words, like accoutrement. And I don't know what it means, but I know it's a French word. I learned all, I relearned all my French knife techniques like Julienne, mm. Batonet, and Gunkata. Mm. You know, I kind of reinvigorated the idea that salt is really the only spice if you think about it. And I've been doubling down on all the salt used in all my restaurants. So I kind of tried rebranding myself. And the big announcement is that um, I, I'm going to announce that I'm going to cut my signature Marge Simpson hair. Whoa. Uh, you can see it now, and, you know, I'm going to do it live on TV, and I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to keep the colors blue so everybody can still recognize me, but, you know, the Marge Simpson, the four-foot-tall hair that goes straight up, I'm cutting it, I'm getting a Macklemore haircut, I'm going to drive my Honda Accord to Great Clips, and I'm going to get a Macklemore haircut. Are you doing this on the Hotess? Um, I'm going to do it previously on the hoe test. I asked them if they wanted to do me on the hoe test, and then I told them I could make the beer face, and if a girl Grinch smiles at me, but they don't want a sexual uh, lawsuit oriented towards them. Well, we're all cautiously optimistic for your future. Um, I think my opinions about your current restaurants are fairly well known in the restaurant community, but uh, we hope that you can turn a new corner here. 
Well, I'm really, I'm just honestly, and this is not an insult, I'm very happy for you that you were able to get famous by insulting my restaurants in your fancy reviews. Thank you, chef. Uh, speaking of elevated cuisine, maybe you could learn a thing or two from um, Chef DeQuat's restaurants. Uh, chef, would you like to talk about what you've been up to lately? Um, well, let me, a uh, little bit of those who don't know me, I'm sure that's... Um, that's not likely, but a little bit of a background. Uh, my name is Desmond DeQuat. I'm a bar restaurant owner, entrepreneur, storyteller, certified ninja. <laughs> Some people don't think I have a sense of humor, but I do. You know, I like to play around, have a good time. Um, just last year, I established seven new concepts, as well as over 90 pop-ups all over New York City. Um, really a pop-up is essentially a better restaurant inside a more inferior place so you know sometimes it'll be an actual restaurant so, you know it helps the bigger establishment generate buzz and clientele um, people like me do it to help these places in the hopes that they can use that extra push to become something better and it's my way of giving back to the community so well i i would like to object because you you definitely did do that to one of my restaurants mm-hmm and I feel like Gunter's Shishimi uh, was plenty fine on its own before you decided to... Well, you asked for my help, and well, we had an agreement in the contract. And, and then you was... just left, and you didn't tell me which restaurant you were going to do it to. And I thought you were just being like some mysterious artisan-type dude. And then next thing I know, uh, the Japanese-German fusion restaurant Gunter's Shishimi... Uh, had a restaurant inside of it, Inception style, and I didn't know what to do. Well, would you tell Picasso how to paint his paintings? Would you tell um, if Jackson Picasso Pollard how to throw paint if, all over? Like, okay, a dude, if if Picasso was painting his paintings on my easel, mm-hmm. you know, then I would get upset. I'd say, well, go paint on your own. Anyway, I don't want my pop-ups to be just a flash in the pan. You know, food is so much more. It's it, it tells a story. Food is the single most important thing you can connect to people with. And I think I do that. So when I create a little menu on vellum paper with, you know, four things on it, with just one-word descriptors, like just the word corn on it, <laughs> it gives people a sense of curiosity and exclusiveness. You know, even if each item is over $47 each, they don't just look at the price, they look at the experience. So one of my pop-ups didn't even have anything on the menu at all, and you had to guess what we were serving. And it was very successful. You know, my wine and hot dog pop-up generated $200,000 in the first week. My microwave-your-own-cheese-and-bologna-roll-up pop-up was a $1.2 million <laughs> venture just last month. My uh, Asian Fusion pop-up, Pew Ping, in manhattan had the black eyed peas perform at the opening you know they came all four of them came out and rang a giant gong and did mortal Kombat dance moves and it was you know people went crazy about it it was in you know it was in buzzfeed it was in the new york times even so those are little things i'm doing but that's just i keep moving i keep ideas flowing i keep people doing things and keep busy create jobs get back to the community you know put it in and it comes back out so I have my more permanent signature concepts as well. I could talk about a little bit. I don't want to, you know, take up all the time here. But if you guys would allow me, I could talk a little bit about one of my more successful ones, one of my more longstanding oh. ones. Yeah, please, please do, please do brother. Both of you Just have... Give me, give me a fist bump. Oh, sure. 
Um, so, my one of my more long-standing establishments uh, you guys are familiar with. I see you guys in there all the time when I'm in there. Um, Gary Tasteman's is oh, a love Gary neighborhood Tasteman's. favorite, fine, city favorite. Fine cuisine. Gary Tasteman's is a rockabilly hideaway named after the greatest singer to ever live. You know, it's known in infamy for celebrating its barber culture, craft cocktails, Bill Nye, and Ron fucking Swanson. <laughs> you know, so our our slogan is leave all egos and fucks at the door. This is one of those kind of places where it's like, they, we don't care. We accept you for who you are, unless you're an asshole. So bow ties get a discount. Ink gets respect. Nice. Um, all of our I, servers. I love your attitude tees that you sell there too. You know, it's all about you know building that concept and that brand. So all the servers have to wear suspenders and creepers, or if they're girls, they have to be pinup girls with a minimum of three candy skull tattoos. Um, <laughs> I really, all of our I really respect how many corsets those girls wear. I, you know, I really respect that you require all of your waiters to get face tattoos. <laughs> I didn't know that they made corsets for legs until I dined there. <laughs> and all the girls have to be curvy, you know. They have to have real women's curves, you know. Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, Monroe. Marilyn Monroe was <laughs> weighed three ten. Marilyn and Monroe was six eight. That. Yeah, she was a natural three, uh, NBA swingman style. Uh, people people always forget this about Marilyn, dude. Marilyn was a beautiful woman, but she was a 3 and D style player that put the work in and could spot up shoot from anywhere. Um, all of our bartenders are dressed as soda jerks, and they'll sing you doo-wop tunes, they'll give you a shave maybe, or even maybe even <laughs> scrap with you. It just depends on the night. Um, all of the chairs are barber's chairs, chrome stools, a vintage car bucket seat, or just a jukebox. You know, some people are sitting on jukeboxes in there. And I'm really lucky that every time I go there, you give me the best table, brother, which is right in the corner, and instead of a table, it is an upside-down, upright base that you get to eat off of. <laughs> oh, yeah, right over there by the stage where, you know, the ladies sing and the crooners croon. And you get and, you those, know, those guys those... stand up there playing that bass, and they spin it, and they slap it, and it's a just lot of fun. <laughs> Friday night fucking burlesque with women that look like defensive tackles and everyone goes they have a crazy time it's a it's a fun fun time especially if they have the right stuff in them so i have a few of the, our signature cocktails here we're known for our signature craft cocktails our drinks it's probably the most important part for a good night right you know everything has this right ingredient that one little thing the little pinch that makes it just right and the gary tasteman's it's got to be the drinks so, chef, chef, do you know my cocktail when I come in? What's your favorite? Uh, it is the uh, Shirley Temple. Ah, nice clean Shirley Temple. <laughs> Anything in that? Nope. All right, it's kind of gay. Um, <laughs> so the one of my favorites um, that we saw a lot of is the Son of a Bitch, which is. Bourbon, scotch, Jameson, bacon bits, um, shredded pieces from Charles Bukowski poems, and a cigarette, all served in a copper mug full of beer. That's $23. <laughs> um, there's the Teddy Roosevelt, which is bourbon, orange peel, cactus, and bitters, served in a mason jar with a dirt rim. That's $18. Um, the Christ Almighty, 
which is Israeli champagne, pineapple juice, honey jack, basil, and a little blasphemy. And that's 16 dollars 66 $16.66. Nice. Um, a new one that we have that's really big with the younger crowd is the Pickle Rick, which is a shot. And that's Jameson, pickle juice, grenadine, olive oil, and it's served in a flask. That's $17. <laughs> I like to order that one without the pickle juice, without the flask, without any of that, and just get a Shirley Temple. <laughs> you know, but, uh, I'm but really... I like, to, I like to pay $18 for it, though. I it really just feels like well, an experience. So. I really disappointed you uh, guys discontinued my favorite drink, the Are You Farking Kidding Me, which was bacon vodka with bacon bits and just a little bit of chili oil. <laughs> well, we might be bringing that back, you know, there's... Seasonal drinks, so. Well, I'm really hoping you did. I mean, the reason the bartender told me I talked to this, you know, the one of the soldier jerks up there, and he just said that it was Lenny. Just, it was a yeah, Lenny. Len, Lenny, classic Lenny. My, Leonard, my bud, Lenny. Shout good to Leonard old, over there. Good old, yeah, good but old Lenny. just complaining that it just destroyed the bathrooms like every night. Oh yeah, this is. People were getting you know absolutely thrashed on those, and they couldn't hold them down. So. We had for a while. We had to give people what we called chili buckets, where they just go in those, you know, either hole. They just go but, in there and use the chili bucket. Well, what Leonard told me that was happening is that they just started adding Pepto Bismol to the "Are you farking kidding me?" and that kind of helped out a little bit. Well, well, we might bring it back. We'll see. Um, I can make no promises, but I'm not going to rule it out. So, next we have another uh, recent favorite, the Nikola Tesla, which is. Absinthe, gin, Red Bull, garnished with a nine volt battery, metal bolts, and lemon twist. Mm. That's twenty six dollars. A little bit of a jolt, a little electric. Um, and the last drink we have at Gary Tastevins that I uh, want to mention today is the, the No classic. Fucks Given. The No Fucks Given, which is vodka, ginger beer, sweet vermouth, ghost pepper, simple syrup, all poured into the guest's hands and then spit into by the bartender. <laughs> and that's thirty dollars. Um, and then yeah. I have a few dishes. Oh, go ahead. I love going and getting a few drinks at your place, just because you know that you're going to spend a hundred dollars and you're not going to, you know, be drunk. Right, and you probably didn't even order any food, and you spent that much. So it's a good deal. Uh, speaking of food, though, our signature favorite, the bastard burger. Which is probably the longest, probably one of the oldest things I first created in my career. Was it? What's in the Bastard Burger? Well, the Bastard Burger is a half pound, hundred percent grass fed Cleveland beef burger, topped <laughs> with ten ounces of bacon, pepper jack, cheddar and nacho cheese, caramelized onions, nice. sriracha mayo. Sriracha aioli. Yeah, it's aioli. Aioli mayo, two eggs, a shot of bourbon poured on top and served on an onion roll. And the little, you know, flavor text says, the cow ate the greens, don't sweat it. Ha! Love going to get the uh, bastard when ordered, burger. When I ordered that, I love to get, uh, like, two hard-boiled eggs on top of that, uh, some pancetta, uh, a couple fish. I don't care what kind of fish, just give me more, you know? I need more. We you have know, those sometimes upgrades. I just... I just request that you guys 
just do that with only the egg yellows and none of the egg whites because it's just like I'm not here for any fuss. Give me the meat, you know? Right. We also have an app, the Joker's KS Nachos. Those are lime tortilla chips covered in a bed of sriracha sour cream, sriracha nacho cheese, green onions, spicy peppers, onions, white onions, cilantro, black beans, bacon bits, sriracha guacamole, and cheese curds. And the flavor text says, some men just want to feel their mouth burn. Nice. And then last God, it's such a badass place. We have a dessert called the Motherfucker which is six giant scoops of sriracha vanilla ice cream, candied bacon, root beer, rum, barbasol shaving cream, fried Oreos, <laughs> two Krispy Kreme glazed donuts, and a lit Roman candle. And that thing's a hot, <laughs> hot hit at birthday parties. I'll tell you what. You, know, you come to Gary Tasteman's, you order the motherfucker. That dish, you know too, gonna you're never going to order just one. Like, once you taste it, <laughs> you're going to have that next, the next round coming, and the next, and the next. You know, my favorite thing about Gary Tasteman's, I love that place, is you guys have that built-in Instagram photographer that will automatically take a picture for you of your food and upload it to all your friends. They always get the best angles, so everybody knows what kind of dipshit man-child food you're eating. Well, a lot of people, I I recommend a lot of people come in there wearing sunglasses like they're the king or uh, Roy Orbison or maybe Gary Tasteman, the king himself. Uh, because when you're in there, there's a lot of glare because you have a lot of people taking pictures, a lot of flashes from the strobe lights and the stage, a lot of camera flashes, and they're all reflecting off the sheen of the pomade and the waiter's hair and their pompadours. So a lot of people are getting blinded. And, you know, so wear sunglasses if you come to Gary right. Tasteman's because you're and just going to look cool anyway. How much light is is in there? Considering like it's so trendy nowadays to have almost no light in uh, your restaurants. And the, it's just the fact that you light a single candle in that place. It's going to be magnified by a million mirrors of pomade and reflective and rhinestones on everyone's clothes. That's just going to look crazy. Right. Uh, well, Chef I'm glad Duquat, you guys like it. Chef Duquat, yeah. if you don't mind my asking, I've heard a rumor about Gary Tasteman's. Um, I hear there's human flesh on a secret menu. Well, you know I can't comment on that. <laughs> my apologies, Chef. Why can't Thank you? you chef. Why, why, why can't you comment on that? I feel like you, uh, easy no would be pretty uncontroversial. Well, I think a no would be too unambiguous and too final. <laughs> I'd like to move along. Well, you know, just the, all the Gary Tasteman songs are Sweetie, Sweetie, Baby, Baby, I Want to Eat You Up, and just, like, uh, chew on that and things like that. There's a lot of allusions to it, and I think that's just going to start a lot of awful, nasty rumors that even tolerating them. Well, over. Gary Tasteman was never confirmed for sure of being a cannibal. He was only accused of it by 47 different women, <laughs> and they found several dismembered bodies in his estate, but it was never proven because they just couldn't get the right evidence lined up right. so yes the legends and the myths are there but he died in a way of a free man he didn't you know go to prison he wasn't right. killed with the death penalty he didn't go to trial he wasn't arrested for any of it so even if he was a cannibal he got away with it which yeah. to me is even cooler so yeah everybody likes uh counterculture um, icons bob dylan yeah, right db cooper 
Um, Tim Charles and Eric Manson. from Columbine. Tim and Eric, right. <laughs> well, Chef hmm. Coolman, I think you're making uh, Chef Dequat uncomfortable with your... I'm the last person you could ever make uncomfortable. If anything, I'm usually the one doing the opposite. Right. I mean, right now, that black T-shirt of his is honestly so tight, it's vibrating on him. I'm sorry. I was just a little distracted. There's a dog barking outside, I think. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) All right. Well, we spent enough time talking about your restaurant that, you know... It's accessible enough where even someone like Chef Kuhlman here can appreciate what you're doing That's there. more of our re- you know, uh, one of my concepts that's been so successful because it's more casual of, and it know, goes feel like for everyone, really. Good I'd amount like, of disrespect going on. but I'd like to discuss one of the restaurants that put you on the map. Um, oh, sure. Which one? I've, I've eaten here many several. times. I've eaten here many times, but I've only just written a, a review of it for the New York Times this week. Um, I'd like to share that with you if it's possible. I didn't read it. I don't, I don't read the New York Times. I don't read it all, really, so please. Well, I'll, I'll read it at you. Uh, this is for your restaurant, Food. Uh, of course, F, mm, U with a little yes. umlaut, okay. and then D. Uh, mm-hmm. not, not to be confused I'm familiar with, with it. Not to be confused with Fudd, which is right across the street. Chef Ugh. Coleman's uh, Elmer Fudd concept restaurant uh, and whiskey bar. Um, but Ugh. yeah, sorry. Here is, here is the review for Food. A normal restaurant experience begins by walking through a door. This is no normal restaurant. This is food. To enter, you must crawl on hands and knees through a dark tunnel. You can't see anything, but the walls are lined with a moist, translucent goo. When you emerge in the dining room, you are reborn. This is your new life. This is food. My server arrived tableside with a mason jar full of ice cubes, which I was told were harvested in, a 1970, in 1972 from a freshwater stream outside Juneau, Alaska. Next, the server pulled out a blowtorch and melted all the ice. For a moment, I was aghast. Would they really serve room temperature water at a Michelin-starred establishment? But before I could voice my horror, another server emerged from the back, holding in one hand a black napkin with three ice cubes on it. He wore a single glove on his other hand, which was holding a pair of tongs. He placed the artisanal cubes in my glass and informed me that they were a 1994 tap water from Norway. I took a sip. Quite simply, this delightful play on water was the finest I have ever experienced. The moisture of the 72 Alaska complemented the mouthfeel of the 94 Norwegian perfectly. (laughs) I have never seen a chef elevate water to this level, and I couldn't wait for the next course. I didn't have to wait long. The waiter returned with the finest plate of roasted julienne duck taint that I have ever experienced. <laughs> this exquisite dish, which the French, the French call le taint du doc, was dusted with fentanyl and plated beautifully next to a single three-leaf clover. Another magnificent success by Chef Duquat. <clears throat> However, there were some missteps on the menu. For example, my entree, which was a play on a Frisky's Tasty Treasures chicken and cheese and gravy. Uh, While I respect the chef's bold play on a dish usually associated with house cats, uh, the gravy was a little under-seasoned and the chicken pieces could have benefited from a minute or two in the oven. Fortunately, Chef Dequat recovered during the meal's final course. For dessert, the waiter brought me a bowl full of trash. It smelled like garbage. Stink lines wafted up from the plate toward my nose, and I pinned my nose between my thumb and forefinger in an exaggerated fashion and made a face like, P.U., except I didn't say anything. Then the waiter poured all the garbage onto the floor. The real dish was, well, the dish. 
Chef Dequat's edible bowl is an instant classic. The dessert, made of cane sugar and crushed Xanax, may well cement the skilled chef's pristine reputation. Like all, chef, like all of Chef Duquat's meals, this one teaches you something about food, but not only that, it teaches you something about the human condition. I give food my highest rating, two stars. <laughs> That's, well, uh, you thank know, you. you know, the one thing I do want to say about food is that my restaurant is right across the street. Obviously lower scale, called FUD, and it's Elmer Fudd themed, and I'd really appreciate it if... Um, it correlates with your personality, so... The amount of dis... You know, either way, we get a lot of mix up at FUD where people come in dressed all nice and stuff like that, expecting to crawl in and stuff like that, and some of them will start crawling, thinking it's that, but in reality, it's the Elmer Fudd themed restaurant where we only serve rabbit and duck. Well, when they see him crawling in there, they think that, like, the, the wait staff thinks it might be a rabbit or a duck, like a wascally wabbit or something, and they arm Well, you gun. walk in, you walk in expecting this incredible, minimal, furnished Bauhaus feel, and you have someone pointing a cartoony double-barrel shotgun at your face. It has to be a little alarming. I mean, in order to work at FUD, you have to pass an IQ test where it's below 90. So, yeah, they might think that. But no, your restaurant's cool. It's fine. For everything negative I have to say about your restaurant, Chef Coolman, the one thing I like about FUD is that when there's a wait and you're just waiting in the front, you get a free carrot to just gnaw on, like... Yeah, it's nice. It's just a carrot. It's fine. It works with the theme. But no, my themes are dumb. Your themes are cool. It's fine. I'm glad we agree. Uh, speaking of uh, your themes, Chef, do you have another restaurant that you'd like to tell us about? Oh, sure. I, have, I wanted to discuss uh, one of the newer ones because when I have this opportunity, this podium, if you will, I need to um, tell the masses about what they're missing. So I have another concept, a lot more different than Gary Tasman's. Um, it's a little bit more upscale. I like to describe it as rustic opulence, if you will. It's called Augustin Harbor. Um, it is in a single flat in Brooklyn, and you have to go up one at a time in a rusty elevator, which a um, a elevator man will let you up. You have to go one up, one at a time, and then there's usually about a four-hour wait. But the tables are giant spools um, made of wood. Um, the glassware is all collected from resale shops found along the coast. Um, the water all comes from a big well pump in the middle of the room. I know <laughs> I paid about $24,000 to have that installed. Um, and I had it altered to look rusty as well. Um, all the food is served on maps and atlases. And all the mirrors in the bathroom are always fogged up for some reason. And it usually takes about 15 to 20 minutes before your server even gets to your table and greets you. But um, food-wise, it's primarily tapas that change weekly. You know, everything is a tiny portion. Oh, my and God. And it is encouraged you order at least two or three. You order at least two or three is encouraged. And they range from about $14 to $25 each. So it's very affordable. Um, this week, our specials that we have is the lamb which consists of one lamb rib, a parsley oil glaze, 
three beet slices, an entire whole apple, and capers, and that's seventeen dollars. That sounds um, absolutely succulent. Oh, it's, it's most to die it's for. mostly it's mostly bone. But you can you eat can the bone too. You can eat the bone. That's the point. You cannot eat bones. Like I like I know you guys are like weird food guys, but like you can't eat bones. This isn't no, the nineteen eighties. We've been serving bone marrow in restaurants in Brooklyn for more than twenty years. Now. Marrow's different. You can't eat bones. You can where's eat the, the bone as well, the especially when it's bone? tender and it's soft and it you, has the a bone bit is of a not crunch. tender. It's made out of bones. Have you been to Chef Dequat's restaurant? That yes, bone I have. I had to, to sneak core. in. He wouldn't let me in, so I had to wear a disguise. Did you try the bone? I knew it was you. I saw the blue hair, but it was all pressed down flat along your ears. You had that just that one baseball cap on. He tried to put an upside-down garbage can over his head to cover his hair and just walk in like it was nothing. Either way, I got in because, you know, I'm trying to figure out about nice food. I just didn't I understand it. There. It's bone. You can eat the bone, like, I assure you. It's I bit the bone and it hurt. They kept telling me to eat the bone. Everybody else went clean through the bone. I kept biting the bone. I felt like everyone was playing a joke on me. Well, that sounds like something that's your problem, not everyone else's. Much like everything else you do. I will, uh, like to move on. The second special that we have is the eggplant risotto, which is Ugandan eggplant sautéed in balsamic vinegar with rice, walnuts, alfalfa sprouts, and a touch of Pepsi reduction. And that is $15. And that goes really well with the lamb, let me tell you. They don't, it's you know seventeen dollars, fifteen dollars for each, and they're, yeah, there's tiny portions, but you get more than one, and then it, you know it's a little bit, a little bit more food. I like it's to such, order. I like to order a coke with that one. It's such tiny oh, portions. It's like that like, makes sense. They're tapas. They make sense. You order a few of them, um, you only spend about forty five dollars, and you eat. Like a quarter of what a meat real meal is. They're great. Hey, it's hey, great. I'm, you know, the only reason why, you know, I personally, I have a research team on this. There's no Spanish word for big plates that I can find. So as soon as that happens, I'm going to have a big plate tapas restaurant, you know? <laughs> well, tapas doesn't mean big plate. Uh, that's what I got told. Ranch. Tapas means big plate. No. Um. The other special that we have is called Ants on a Log. It is organic celery stalks from the... Well, it's organic celery stalks from the same place. Uh, the Hudson Farms. And it also has Hudson Farms artisanal peanut preservatives on it. And dried Greek currants on top of the pe peanut spread. And that's $23. Uh, we also have sliders that cost $6 each is all. And you can eat them usually in one bite. You know, they're great because you get a variety. You, you can get the horse aioli and relish on sesame. You can get the tuna sriracha on brioche. Or you can get the oxtail Dorito slider on pretzel roll. And they're way better than just getting a normal full-size sandwich for a reasonable price. Instead, you could spend $6 each on one and not even get full or nearly full. And it's another great thing because you get so much variety and you can change it up in so many flavors altogether. I will say one thing that is great about tapas restaurants is we get so many customers um, to my Kickin' Whiskey Ranch Cave 
uh, from people who go to tapas restaurants and have some really good food, and then they just are still hungry, so they just come to my uh, Kick and Whiskey Ranch Cave. <laughs> right. So they go one of your places. They're like it's kind of like bar hopping, but it's you know gastro pub hopping or tapas hopping or concept hopping, pop up hopping, whatever you want to say. But it works really well, especially business wise. So it's kind of like our strategy there, where you make people right pay way too much money for a tiny little bit of food that doesn't even touch their appetite and then they don't know what else to do and then they go get on like literally unlimited chicken tenders for seven dollars or they all hit up taco bell and you know but here's the the thing you're not you're not selling us food you're selling us an experience well truly i think a lot of it is that you know your my food, especially Kick and Whiskey Ranch came, Cave, as the ex- example, is that it's not good to take a picture of it. It never looks good. It's always like kind of gray or just like runny or right. Looking. But you taste good and you want to eat it. Whereas yours, you know, looks very pretty. It looks amazing. That's what, that's, tastes amazing. Well, it's that's what you Earth. spend most of your time on. We also have not just food, but we have a. Weekly cocktails. The drinks vary with weekly specials, as well as the craft beers on tap. Uh, this cocktail this week is cinnamon kombucha. Um, it is out of in Illinois, I believe, or Missouri is where we get this kombucha from. It's a cinnamon kombucha. It's um, completely homemade, artisan-made. This one guy makes it. It's incredible. Um, his name's Rick. And we get that from him, and we, you know, he sells us like a bottle for a mere like four hundred a bottle. It's incredible bargain. But we have oh, the that's the co- yeah the Uncle Rick kombucha, right? That's what yes. So the cinnamon kombucha is made in the cocktail with tequila and gin, olives and vanilla extract, and it's served in a cleaned out candle jar and garnished with mint. In a little bonsai tree. And it's called the <laughs> vernacular and has to be pre ordered oh at least two God. days prior to coming to the building. So Jesus you got to call ahead if you want to order the vernacular, but it's incredible. One of the best cocktails I've ever had. But aside I'm actually from that, on hold right now trying to order one. Oh, I'll hook you up. Just let me talk to some of the people, some of the higher ups, and I'll see what I can do, even though I'm the owner. Um, Thank you, Currently on tap. For beers, we have first off, this is great. This is we have Angel's Repetition Triple Belgian Ale by the Brother Dundas Brewery out of Terre Haute, Indiana. <laughs> um, next, we have Mr. Fucker's Birthday Bitch Fest Double Imperial Donut Stout from Nutsack Brewery here in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, another one. This is a nice one. This is a nice summer beer, I'd say. We have Impervious Moves Kiwi Goza by Little Cabin Brewery out of Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another one next, we have Old Retards Double Session IPA by <laughs> Shithead Brewery from Eugene, <laughs> Oregon. Um, <laughs> we have Bitcoin Bastard Barley Wine from Fountainhead Brewery in San Francisco, California. <laughs> and lastly, we have Timothy Cuvée Oak Age Lambic Ale from Bad Axe Brewery in Bad Axe, Michigan. Mm. So those are some of the beers that we have on. They rotate a lot. A lot of great things from around the country. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's um, We get a lot of good feedback. And um, it's been going very well for us. So I'm very proud of it. So thank you for letting me talk about it. Thank you, Chef. 
Um, I hate to do this to you, Chef Duquat, but since we do have two guests on the show, we're going to have to uh, pivot toward a little bit baser, a little bit crasser food here. I'm right um, here! <sighs> you got to hear so both sides, right? I'm rebranding. In the interest of fairness, I went to one of Chef Kuhlman's restaurants. I reviewed this in the New York Times in the back page of the lifestyle section. It was printed in a very small font, smaller than every other, every other article in the whole paper. Um, this was for his uh, Times Square establishment, uh, Johnny Halliburton's Kick and Whiskey Grill. And uh, here's the review. Oh. From the moment I walked into the rank and putrid establishment, I knew something was amiss. First of all, for a kick and whiskey grill, there was no whiskey on the menu and not even a grill in the kitchen. The table was set with crayons instead of silverware, and the placemat had a maze where at the end of it was a big treasure chest full of hamburgers, and at the beginning is a picture of the Hamburglar, a character who is clearly trademarked by another restaurant franchise, and a massive lawsuit <laughs> waiting to happen. After an interminable 12-minute wait, the waiter approached the table with a garden hose. He put out his cigarette on the table. Then he gave a big thumbs up and a Grinch grin to his sous chef in the kitchen, who turned a big metal wheel and a big lump of water came through the hose like a python that just swallowed a rat. He filled our cups with a garden hose water and then took our order, but he could barely hear our order because a projection TV in the dining room was blasting a rerun of the 2008 Philadelphia Phillies World Series at full volume, <laughs> while the cooks in the open kitchen were bumping the chain smokers at ear-shattering decibels. I started my meal with the Cajun Pigfoot blasters. The blasters were soggy and served inside a crusty sock that stood up on its own. There were only two <laughs> blasters, and I must say, they were a pale imitation of a TGI Friday's popper or an Applebee's dipper. Is, th is this what passes for a blaster these days? <laughs> Even though the adult portion only had two blasters, they came with a one-gallon bucket of Branson Farms Buttermilk Ranch, which had an entire unopened can of Beer 30 floating in it. With my hand waist deep in buttermilk ranch, I fished the beer out of the ranch and popped the tab. I was surprised by the delightfully crisp, refreshing light lager flavor. However, this eminently serviceable beer was offset by the woefully underwhelming pig feet blasters. Then the entree came. I ordered the Branson Farms Jumbo Fiesta Volcano Burger. I tried to enjoy my first bite, but I couldn't stop wondering why it's called a Fiesta Volcano when the only spicy ingredient was a Calabrian chili pepper, which comes from Italy. The chef is probably a stupid racist, I thought, as I drizzled <laughs> the included container of Yao Ming Zichuan China sauce over the half-pound <laughs> burger. <laughs> While I was eating my burger, a half-dozen pigeons landed on the table to steal my Cheeto-dusted homestyle fries. I should have expected as much since nearly all the restaurant's Yelp reviews mentioned the pigeons, usually in a positive way, but for me, it was too much. I left without paying my tab or enjoying the comp complimentary game of Big Buck Hunter that comes with every entree. <laughs> I cursed this restaurant with my lowest rating, one star. I think the problem is, is that places like that aren't made for Ivy League... East Coast arrogant people. Uh, Most I went people to NYU. Like, I'm hardly an Ivy League grad. Most people appreciate the pigeons, the fauna. Most people enjoy the hose water. The beer 30 is on the house, by the way. I just thought it could have been served outside of the ranch. <sighs> 
Then you don't understand the whole purpose of Branson Farms and their well, what's message. What's the purpose? Well, Branson Farms is a just, you know, in Terre Haute, Indiana, it is a beautiful farm where they grow mostly potatoes and racism. And they have so much there to offer of just veal in which they try to make the baby lamb stronger instead so it's more humane and things like that. And, but but what you big city people don't understand is that is that is that these people enjoy not having any spice in their food. These people enjoy that. Look, Chef, I understand more about Branson Farms than you ever could. I know about Branson Farms. I know that it's right next door to Hudson Farms. I know it's in Terre Haute, Indiana. I know that at Branson Farms, they make disgusting mayonnaise, while at Hudson Farms, they make delicious aioli. I know that Branson Farms is always raising their disgusting old pigeons, while Hudson Farms raises squab. Uh, you know, that you go fishing in a pond at Branson Farms and they're gonna have toothfish. You go across the street to Hudson Farms, you're gonna get Chilean sea bass. Uh, it's just night and day over there. I am a very su successful businessman and chef. All right, I made the Kick and Whiskey Ranch Cave. I made Boris's Beef Dungeon. I made Gunter Sashimi. I made Jimmy Salts, where salt is the only spice allowed. <laughs> I made Timmy Salts, which is completely different from Jimmy's Salts. I made Alfredo's Farm to Table, which doesn't guarantee the actual quality of ingredients. It's just we got a name, guy named Alfredo who grew up on a farm who sleeps on the tables. I made the Food Store. I made the Food Store food store a three star michelin restaurant in which the premise is that it's just a grocery store okay, i made look. the i made the racist onion barn grill the only restaurant in the world where you can buy a gun first of all michelin I won't doesn't be give three stars Second this is the all, tire store it's a different Alamo one joe's, it's a tire i've been store. to elmo joe's soy sauce palace i've been to joe squidson's calamari dumpster I've been to Philadelphia <laughs> Phil's Avocado Cantino and Cantina and Loaded Baked Potato Emporium. And none of it's have good because these Branson Farms ingredients are garbage. Have you been to Alfonso's, <laughs> Alfonso's Pepper Factory? No. Have you been to Pablo's Paleo Gastro Pub? Have no, you? Of heavens no. Hell no. Have you been to Leftovers, a theme restaurant where all of the items that don't get eaten at my other restaurants are brought to everyone there on a conveyor belt? Let me ask you this. Are those ingredients from Branson Farms? Those ingredients come from either Branson Farms or whatever cheap foreign farm we can get. All right? Because... Okay. Look, at, at Hudson Farms, the scarecrows are some clean-cut boys who look like troops. They might be troops, actually, who are being the, the scarecrows for Hudson Farms. Hudson Farms scarecrows wear tuxedos, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and they have like little like James Bond like PP7 like silencers and it's they're they're protecting that food. But then you go to fucking Branson Farms and these scarecrows are patched together with like skull chewing tobacco. Uh, all the birds are gnawing on the tobacco. They're all like addicted to nicotine. Um, That's to make sure they wild. don't eat the crops cuz they they're they're just looking for more nicotine. <laughs> well, there there's like 20 birds living inside of each scarecrow and they get hungry. I guess well, it does suppress their appetite when they're on the nicotine. But I've been to France. I understand that I have a reputation as a restaurateur. And I have gone to France and I've studied and I'm opening up a new restaurant that is within high society. I have learned, I have understood proper food creation. I have studied in France. <sighs> I want to invite both of you to my new restaurant that I'm opening up this week. 
All right. Part of the reason why I wanted to come on the show, high dining experience. All right. I got a menu on it where the prices aren't listed at the end. I just have people arbitrarily decide what the, the people should pay. All right. It's called AK 47. Mm. All right. You can find it in Brooklyn. It's opening up in all the hipster row areas. You're going to understand what I'm going for with AK 47. All right. The theme restaurant is selling the American experience. I thought the true American experience is guns, all right? And it's a gun-themed restaurant. I want to invite both of you. High dining experience, all right? You look at the the appetizers I have. On the menu, it's listed as sidearms. I have the ghillie suit salad. It's going to be capers, kale, lemon juice, avocado, and lima beans. All right. When it gets delivered, you get a little hat that will shade your experience, that will shade your vision so that you can't see everything, but you are hidden from view. All right. I have a new take on hummus that's dedicated to the UMP submachine gun. All right. Humpus. <laughs> Where instead of hummus, I have a new take on hummus. Instead of using chickpeas. <laughs> Instead of using olive oil or, or, or lemon juice, I instead decided to make hummus a chicken pot pie. I have an ammo belt of mini hot dogs that are also touching pineapples. I have, a, instead of chick, uh, chicken fingers, I have trigger fingers. All right? The, the, the main course is labeled under assault weapons, and I have an open-faced burger with cabbage and moose lips on a Russian dressing on a flatbread, and it's called the Kalishnikov. I have ballistic te- test pork chops, where I order in live pigs that have been shot by guns to test it because pig flesh is similar to human flesh in regards to damage and i get those pigs here and i have a dark kevlar kind of breadcrumb mixture that makes them look black i have the coney which is a veal cut and i have a pork belly covered in quail eggs called the auto sniper all right and this got banned because it's a horse steak topped in dmt but i thought it was a good idea it called <laughs> the be called the international waters you know, the dessert menu is labeled Double Tap. You know, we're still fleshing that out. I just have one menu right now that's just the flashbang, which is going to be chocolate lava cake, which everyone loves with chilies and dark chocolate and a little bit of sriracha on top. And yeah, I have investors that are helping me do this. And it's, I, you know, for the first time in my life, I'm really trying to do something good. I'm really trying to do something high society. I got Dennis Rodman helping me. I got Kathy Griffin helping me. One of the investors is Borat. One of the investors is Daffy Duck. I got Harvey Weinstein. I got the Grinch and I got Joseph Mengele and all my investors are teaming in together. And, you know, if it doesn't work, we're just going to put decorations on the wall. We're going to turn the lighting way up, and we're going to serve really low-quality food at larger portions. And then we're going to put TVs up everywhere and put a bunch of things on the wall, like stop signs and boat oars, and people will love it. All right? So I have a plan. I have high society. It's going to get a good rating. I've paid all the right people. You know, I'm on the hoe test. I'm important. I can make a restaurant. And I'm sick of guys like you talking down to me. I think if I were to eat there for dessert, I'd want to order a bullet to eat. Um, Maybe you can consider I, that for I, your I, next menu. I think the chef is just showing you how here. to do it. This is this is a man with experience opening these high concept restaurants. He in one fell swoop, he just came up with a better item than you have on your whole menu. 
okay, before I went to France, I, I, I asked Dequat if he can help me with my cooking a little bit and if he can kind of show me some of the higher tendency styles. Like, I'm, I was a business guy. I was a numbers guy. I wasn't like a food art guy. You know, I just made food that people liked. Simple food that people like to eat. That's what I made. And when I asked him to help me, he invited me over to his house. He invited me over to his kitchen. And he just started speaking in a voice like, oh, you want to learn how to cook? Oh, you want to learn how to cook? And he just started boiling hot dogs and trying to stuff them in my mouth. He will not help me. I was hoping to kill you, but my wife it sounds home. It sounds like the new concept restaurant that uh, Chef Coolman's putting together might be the perfect place for a murder. And no one would be any the wiser. It's the safest restaurant in the United States. All of the wait staff will be armed. Everyone will at least have a PP7. Everyone will at least have a Desert Eagle. And they're going to dual wield them. Deagles akimbo. I heard that the executive chef keeps a golden gun, just in case. The ex executive uh, chef is named Oddjob, and he has a golden gun. And people try to shoot him, but he's too short. All right, chef. Well, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. We'll check it out. Um, just please, that's know, all I'm, I'm asking. Breath, it's a but... chance. I'm just asking for a chance. All right. Well, uh... I know we've done a lot of talking about restaurants. Uh, let's get into just a few questions for you guys. Um, I wanted to ask you not about the dishes that you're making at your restaurants right now, but about some potential dishes if you had certain um, mm. next level ingredients to work Hypotheticals, with. Hypotheticals. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that you're going to get these ingredients overnight, but like these are some high quality ingredients that maybe you guys could elevate. Um, how would each of you cook uh, Porky Pig? Uh, oh he's my still God. alive. He's still alive when you get him, and he can talk to you. Um, I've, I've thought about this before, and uh, Chef Dequad, I, I hope you don't mind if I answer first. Go ahead first. All right. I would imagine Porky Pig would be in some kind of vile bow tie, and he would be stuttering to me like a simpleton. And at, at such a point, I would um, immediately... You know, bring the wrath of Justin about him, put him out of his misery. Probably two short bolts to that double tap. <coughs> now, when we're talking about Porky Pig, I know how I would kill him. I'd kill him quickly so he couldn't blather to me. However, are we talking 1930s super obese Porky Pig? Or are we talking about the modern day Porky Pig that could f easily fit inside of an oven? Uh, we're talking <coughs> 1930s por Porky Pig. Okay, that little monster I'd have to probably cut into various sections and smoke slowly over the course of you know multiple hours you get some applewood chips you probably immediately break the spine separate them down the middle so he'll cook faster because 1930s porty q pig is a nasty little fat oaf chef de Quat, would you add to that uh preparation there well i'd have my own version um so you said he's alive right Oh yeah. I would prob I'd probably <clears throat> wait for him to be unsuspecting and approach him from behind and I would probably garrote him around his neck and fall to the floor while choking him. I'd especially make sure to put pressure on his carotid vein to stop blood flow to the brain. Uh soon enough he would be dead. I would then cut him from ear to ear, hang him upside down. I would drain the blood into a bucket. I would take his body and bury him for about a month. <laughs> and then I'd probably unearth him again 
and I would marinate him in that blood that I had chilled in the freezer that I drained from him. And then I would put him simply on a spit, roast him, and I would probably serve him with Mountain Dew or a nice Merlot. May I ask one question? While he was on the spit, would he have any kind of fruit in his mouth? I would suspect an apple or an orange. But how can you compare the two? One of those big, (laughs) juicy green apples that when you look at it, there's a little sparkle that goes ding! Sure. Perhaps with a tiny, singular worm inching out of it. And I would prepare and candy the tail for the most beautiful woman at the party. Chef, this is why you are the master. All right. I mean, I'm no, I'm no cook, but if I was going to prepare Porky Pig, um, I would pick him up by the top of his head. I'd get a big two by four in my other hand, and then right on his rump, I just pop, 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 pop. <laughs> I'd tenderize that rump. Then I'd slice him in half Mortal Kombat style, chop off the rump, just throw it on the grill. It's going to be tender, juicy. Pork butt. Delicious. You know, some people say that if you would, in fact, make the cartoon pig beg for his life while blithering like a simpleton, you know, the overworking of the muscles, in fact, might make him more tender himself. So simply by pointing a desert eagle at Porky Pig and asking him while wearing sunglasses if he believes in God, that might do more tenderizing and marinating than days of preparation would. Oh, perhaps you are learning how to be a real chef, uh, Coolman. Well, He's on the right track. You know, I'm very, I'm very successful, guys. Like, I know you... I'm, like, I'm a fucking millionaire. I'm a billionaire. But does the food taste good? It tastes good. My food... Listen, my food is made for, like hungover college students and they love it and it's going to make me more money than your weird french food ever will okay okay well look we got one more ingredient here to talk about um what do you think about the deadliest game uh who do you think would be the best tasting human um i want you to think hard about this because you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to cook a human as tangy and mangy as sam elliott the same way you would cook say a human woman like jessica rabbit um, so who would you cook and how would you do it? Um, I think that if you're looking for... Alive or dead? Do they have to be living or dead? Uh, either way, chef's choice. Hmm. Okay. I think if you're looking for the type of dimensions in a person that would benefit a good tasting person, um, you would want to look for the right mixture of muscle and fat. And I'm thinking of, in fact... Probably, you know, of ever, I've ever since I saw him on his TV show when I was younger and I saw him stick his head inside of that turkey. I remember being eight years old and thinking, I wonder what he would taste like inside of that turkey. And I, of course, am speaking of Mr. Bean. Um, I mm. would like to flay Mr. Bean. I'd like to split him open at the ribs. I'd like to debone Mr. Bean and cook him like a nugget. I'd like to take <laughs> Mr. Bean's hands and feet off, and I'd like to marinate them in a crock pot to get the feet and the hands nice and stewy. I'd like to perhaps make a chili out of him. I'd like to savor the cheek meat, the facial cheeks, of course, mind you, 
of Mr. Bean as his big red rosy cheeks, I imagine, would taste very tender. Um, I'd like to rip out Mr. Bean's tongue and cook him in a torso of lengua tacos. Uh, I'd like to add a lot of sriracha and aioli to a Mr. Bean taco mixture. And mostly I'd just like to wretch him and make him beg for his life. That sounds magnificent. I must admit. Chef de Quat, uh, what dish would you prepare for us? I would like to say just further on, too, when I see Mr. Bean, I typically envision him as a normal person first, but then my eyesight goes a little hazy, and he turns into things like a big fried egg or a bone-in ham. Uh, Mr. De Quat, how who would you uh, kill and eat? I'm a little bit torn. I think a lot of people might expect um, me to go the way of one of my clear heroes, Gary Taisman, and choose a woman, but that's not the case. Right now, I'm a little bit caught in between two different people. Um, the first off, of course, you like as you mentioned, the muscle being important, um, the proportions, everything. I can only think, uh, besides my other thought, of course, of John Elway, I think would be <laughs> quite delicious. I can imagine him being in a great cauldron with you know, a lot of tribal people dancing around a fire and boiling him alive while he's wearing his Broncos jersey. But, <laughs> and of course, they're shearing carrot slices and onions into the pot as well of course. to add to the broth. But other than John Elway, I imagine that Donkey Kong would be quite delicious. <laughs> I would like to mangle him with a meat cleaver, you know, maybe prepare him in the way of the French, like a ratatouille, but a full-size ape ratatouille. And I think I would top it off with his little stupid tie on top of it so they know it's him when I serve it to my guests. So that's what I thought about that quite a bit. John Elway or Donkey Kong are probably the two people I'd want to eat if I could eat a, pe eat a person. Uh, for a moment there, I thought that Chef Coolman was stepping his game up, but then once again, you just elevated the cuisine to that next level. That's, mm -hmm. That well, is unbelievable. You know, I'd like to throw down a challenge in that case. Your okay. Donkey Kong versus my Mr. Bean. I will meet you anytime, place. For us to cook Donkey Kong against Mr. Bean, get a table of neutral judges, and we will see who can make the best one. This sounds like well, an epi a special slept, episode of the Hotest. I've slept with several executives at the Food Network, so I think we can get this going. So, men and women, by the way. Um, <laughs> besides this, um, we'll work on that. I believe, Thomas, you had us prepare something for you tonight. Uh, yeah, this is a special treat both for me and for the listeners at home. Um, both chefs have prepared one brand new dish, never before seen, for me to critique tonight on the podcast. Uh, Chef DeQuat, would you care to go first? Uh, sure. Uh, this is something that I really didn't put any mind into, any thought into. I didn't really care. It's just something I kind of just spewed out. But um, I assure you it's better than anything else you'll ever eat. Um, how do I eat this? Well, I have this... You eat it with two knives, actually. Um, this is the proper way to eat it. Okay, I've got both knives in uh, one hand, like chopsticks, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, I'm picking it up. I'm getting um, sort of some, some very salty, spicy flavors. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's a little gamey. 
mm-hmm. what, is, what is that that's that's giving that gamey taste there? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the tenderized Connecticut leather, which was <laughs> marinated in wine. Oh, that's what gives it that wallet-like look on the plate. Mm, right. Um, mm. Try try those. Try these. Um, mm, these are magnificent. These magnificent, Chef. What is Maybe this? Maybe a little chewy. A little chewy. It's a little chewy. It tastes... Uh, it's I broiled know. salamander. Ooh. Just the, just the sal- skins, I see. None of the meat. Mm-hmm. Well, the meat's quite bitter. You don't want to eat any of that. Um... Is this skin poisonous, or was that taken out of it by the the boiling process, or? I'd like to leave that up for the mystery. Ooh. Oh, chef, this is a, like a choose-your-own-adventure or with something. With cilantro, I don't know some people get end. a soapy taste with it. Some people get a citrusy taste. So some people are poisoned by it. Some people aren't. So really, um, your allergies are not my fault. I can see that my skin is turning purple, but it's actually making it taste better with each subsequent bite. Right, and that's also why I added the coffee beans that are in there. It's Ooh. a diuretic. It opens up the, the passages in the body. Ooh, that's why I feel like I'm about to them. vomit and shit and piss all at the same time, but it's, right. actually, mm-hmm. it's actually kind of euphoric. <laughs> and it's all summarized by this fruit roll-up reduction. Mm. On a bed of arugula lettuce and is oats. that is that uh, rainbow flavored uh, fruit roll up? Mm-hmm. Yes, mm. that's where you get that colorization. Kind of gets brown when you mix it together, mm. so it looks a little bit like diarrhea. But that's what I was going for. Chef, this is an unprecedented treat. Well, thank you. And I, those ingredients total are only about a hundred and thirty-seven dollars. Right. Oh, I got like cash. I'll I'll pay you after the podcast. You know. I know. I think um, before you make a decision, you might want to try mine. I, well, I did say I would try yours, so uh, what do you got for me? All right. Well, you'll notice it's a nice bowl, kind of. I will push it towards you, and, you know, I, I just wanted you to tell me the hint of the very first thing you taste when you take a bite. Now, I will say that there are no utensils to use, so you just kind of dig in with your hands. Okay, well, I'm picking the bowl up with my hands and just tilting it into my mouth, uh, expecting a ramen broth or something like that because I want to hope for the best here. Well, the first, I will... The, s- the first thing I taste is um, it's leathery, but not as good as the leathery taste in Chef de Quat's dish. It's kind of like a, the sole of a boot or something. Well, I will say this. When I say you eat with your hands... Um, that's part of the ambiance of the place I got most of the ingredients from. Uh, what you are tasting is um, or a real hoof of a horse. Now, I'll slice them super thin and I'll boil them for a long time and something there. So it is slight. I saw you dribble it in and it kind of came in. That is mostly horse you got on that first bite. But part of the dribbling in the liquid, you'll say, is I added a, you know, a Doritos Consomme, Cool Ranch to kind of blend all the flavors together. Go oh, yeah. ahead, take another bite. Chef, I'm, I'm familiar that that's your signature uh, ingredient, the Cool Ranch. Um, I guess, was your plan for me to put my hand right into the dish rather than holding it up with my hand? What I want you to do is grab one of the horse hooves and I want you to kind of scoop everything into your mouth. Okay, so I'm grabbing the hoof. I'm getting a little bit of that uh, that Cool Ranch flavor on it. I'm getting a little bit of that boot that seems to be in there, but maybe it's just some horse. Um, all right, I'm. Oh, you're I'm actually right. Um, 
Same um, place as the hoofs. I cook the. I like to cook the whole horse at once. Most people, you know, I've had a lot of dealings with different kind of ranches and things like that. I have my own horse ranch in which I just fatten them up essentially because I'm not trying to make race horses or riding horses. I'm waiting till our amazing president Donald Trump repeals the horse eating ban, and I have horses ready to go today. So that is actually horse meat you're eating, which is illegal. But what, you know, it's a podcast, so it doesn't count. Chef, to your to your credit, um, this dish is better than I expected. But uh, now that I know I'm, that I'm eating horse here, I kind of wanted more of that like horse hormone flavor. I wanted those just those steroids and those hormones they put into these horses. Every you single that horse glue taste that glue taste you get from horses. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I'd rather just have some of that that hormone just injected into some avocado toast or something. And like, if I'm gonna eat horse, just go all the way. Well, every single horse we get is uh, cage-free. Um, they come from the Dixie Stampede. Uh, as we know, the Dixie Stampede is a famous kind of rodeo show. And what happens is there's typically two teams that will compete against each other. Losing team horses will come to, you know, they go to the Branson Farms Processing Center, and that horse meat will come to me. Um, those are actual Dixie Stampede horses. I use the horse hooves as a tour. So of- this... This meat was processed at Branson Farms, and you're trying to tell me that it's cage-free? Yes. um, The horses, they actually can't afford cages that big. That's the only reason they're cage-free. Okay, well, from what I know of Branson Farms, uh, they cage their chickens, they cage their cows, they cage their goats. Uh, I hear They they cage their eggs at Branson Farms. Yeah, they cage their watermelons, the beets. Well... I asked about the, the, you know, they can't have cage-free watermelons because in Terre Haute, there's a big outbreak of Gallagher fever after those VHSs just got there for the first time. (laughs) So people have gone around trying to smash that, and that's why the watermelons are in cages. But I want you to take another— If it's not Gallagher fever, it's these wily Branson boys. They can't keep those big old bear paws off those watermelons. Uh, well, they, 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 they pick them up and split them open like it's an apple. There was a renaissance know? fair in town, and the Branson boys all got katanas. And ever since then, there's been a lot of breaking <laughs> watermelons and all that. But that has mostly passed, um, I will say that. Um, I want you to take another bite of my equine nachos, and I want you to kind of see if you taste a kind of citrus flavor. Okay, well, I like that you're serving the nachos out of a big bowl, and it's like a soupy nacho. I like a soupy nacho, so I'll give you that. It's kind of um, like when you go to your friend's house for the Super Bowl, and they have a bunch of stuff just sitting in a crock pot for about four hours. I, I wanted to recapture that. that experience. It looks like this bite has a bullet in it. Um, is this from a horse that was shot through the head, or... Uh, typically, sure this- we like to shoot our horses in the heart. We find it more metaphorical and humane. Are there horse hearts in this dish? Um, we grind the whole horse up together, typically, because nobody knows what's good or not. Thank you, Chef. But I think if you can find a taste in there, you'll taste a little bit of citrus, which comes from uh, the Mio Orange Tangerine Water Enhancer that we squirt into every dish. I was getting a little bit of that, like diabetes flavor from the the mio water enhancer so and and i wanted you to kind of taste a little bit of the local flavor we added do you taste a bit of fungus a fungi in there at this point i have no fucking idea what i'm tasting um we have you know we we logged it up we have you know plenty of local mushrooms in there we have chicken of the woods we got hen of the woods we got yellow ones we got pawpaws uh, we got all that sort of thing. So there's a lot of local mushrooms that I will my, personally get myself. All of my limbs are just like swelling up to gigantic sizes. I don't. Did you get one of those like Mario mushrooms? Like those 
You know, those well, big mushrooms could have, in there? Could have the Mario mushrooms in there, but that might be a lot of the horse hormones as well. Now, how long does this dish go on for? I mean, how much did you put in here? Because This is a very complex dish. I it's a very complex dish. I got a lot of mushrooms. I got a lot of hooves. I got a lot of... I have mayo-flavored aioli, but that's about it. That's about it. Please tell me. Do I, Stolen do I measure from me, up? actually. We all know that Branson Farms doesn't make aioli. But we make mayo-flavored aioli. We have mayo aioli at Gary Tasteman's. I mentioned it earlier, so... Oh, well. All right. You didn't invent that. You didn't invent that. Like, it's like the year 20... Like, everything's been... It's just... We're just making new... I think the listeners at home don't need me to tell them who won this contest. Obviously, it's Chef Duquat, like always. Um, I want to thank you, chefs, for being here with me today. Had a lot of fun. Thank you. Ate a lot of food. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I need to head to the doctor because my entire body is swelling and I feel like I might choke and die any minute now. You might be going to anaphylactic shock. You, I don't know what the chef here has done to you, but um, you might want to go to the ER. I think he'll be fine. He's not going into anorexic shock. I have a uh, uh, watermelon-infused, uh, cage-free, spiced EpiPen, so I think I'll be good. Well, I just wanted to say something before we close off here. I mean, I have to go. I have about two more podcasts to do today. But um, I just wanted to ask everyone to come out this week to the opening in Brooklyn of my oxygen bar slash arcade pop-up where we'll be serving water balloons full of pond water from Patagonia. And I'll be putting people in the triangle holds. Um, Also... Logic will be performing, which is very special. <laughs> and we'll have a live reading of Rupi Carr's shitty book. And all of the proceeds will go to stand-up comedians who need MacBooks to write. So if everyone, come out, if everyone could come out to that, it'd be very special. It's going to be a great time. I'll um, be there, Chef. I'd like to give a shout-out to just um, the Hotest on NBC, to the dozens of restaurants that I own. I'd like everyone who thinks I'm a joke to know I'm a millionaire. I'm more successful than you'll ever be. You can laugh at me, but the world has already rewarded me for who I am, and that says something about you. And fuck you, and fuck you, Thomas Kincaid Jr., and fuck you, Desmond (laughs) Duquad. This was a huge mistake for you to just laugh at me. I'm better than you. I have so much money. I live in a fucking huge house. Fuck you. All right. Thank you, I'll Chef. See, I'll see you guys later. Thank you, Chef. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Thomas Kincaid, for having us. It was a pleasure. My pleasure. I'm sure. Mm-hmm.